You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lamp. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Grant head coach Robert Key coming up in about 10 minutes from now. But this was in the notes for the first segment, but the Blazers talk just uh, kept going. And uh, we will throw it in to the show right here. Hate it or love it still coming, by the way, at 1030. Um, and then whatever the winner wants to do on the last segment at 1045. But the Seahawks have committed to tearing this baby down. And we've already seen some of their moves, like, you know, not re-signing Jimmy Graham and stuff like that. But the big one happened Friday, or it was reported Friday. I think it happened yesterday. Richard Sherman released from the Seahawks. Mm. Uh, Deshaun Shedd released. Jeremy Lane released. Uh, They are taking trade calls for Earl Thomas. There are still questions whether or not Cliff Averill or Cam Chancellor will ever, play, will ever play again, even though they both said they want to try. That likely won't be this season. Uh, guys, the Legion of Boom's gone. It's done. That's it. It's over. It was a good run, but no longer will it exist. And this will now be Russell Wilson's team. 100% fully Russell Wilson's team. Uh, oh, Michael Bennett traded as well this this past week to the Eagles. And that, for me, was the one that let me know that, yeah, this whole thing is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bennett, a really outspoken player, um, great you know, defensive lineman in the NFL, has been one of the most consistent players over the past, I don't know, five or six years, uh, really became a bit of a of an activist, you know, a political activist, um, especially in light of the Colin Kaepernick situation and some of the injustice going around and everything. And, of course, he was uh, had the incident in Las Vegas where he was, you know, um, accosted by police at that point. Um, I think that I think that hurt. And then Richard Sherman leaving, the, you said the Legion of Boom, is, it's a wrap. That was, that was it. And so... That five-year window, five, six years, what, the, they won the Super Bowl, what, 2013, 14? When was that? Oh, God. I, I suck at the years of the Super Bowls. So uh, a couple of years ago, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and, and just there's been just a slow regression every year, you know, and you make it back to the Super Bowl, and then you just 
fall short, you know, a, a bad play call away from being a two-time Super Bowl champion, um, not making the playoffs this past year. It was just a, a slow downfall. And then Richard Sherman going out with the Achilles injury, not ACL, not MCL, Achilles. I think that kind of scared everybody off. But, like, I haven't, I haven't seen much from Seahawks fans. You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of, it's cool, we'll be back. We'll be back next year. We're going to retool. I think they all kind of know that that was, you know, that was that was that. And so now you have to go back to the drawing board and hopefully Lightning can strike twice and you can go out there and get some young guys much like you did uh the first time around and you know pay them nothing up until they they prove that they're worth it. And it's really hard to do that though. It's tough. You know, you don't find a lot of, you know, Richard Sherman's or Bobby Wagner's and Earl Thomas's and of course the Cam Chancellor. And now we still don't know what happens with Cam Chancellor? Does let's, he decide to, you know, after the neck injury, does he decide to, you know, hang it up as well? Let's let's be honest. As much as he and Cliff ever want to play, they both are both of those injuries, they both of the neck injuries they suffered were being considered career ending. So if they want to play, it's not going to be a fast process to come back. It's not like they're just going to be like, hey, we're here this year, or if they are, I it's miraculous and or stupid. Uh, that they're doing it. Yeah. I'd so if you look at it now, who's left on that defense is really just Bobby Wagner. That's it. And KJ Wright, right? The linebacking core is still pretty st- stable. But and Earl Thomas, of course, if they don't trade him, I guess is the, is the key. He'll still be the leader of the defense. But like I said, this is going to be Russell Wilson's team now because this has always been the defense's team, right? It's been the outspoken defensive leaders, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, you mentioned. Earl Thomas can also be thrown into that mix. Um you know, you've had the the second corner who's usually the underrated guy but is also really good. Um, and that's been multiple guys over the course of the last eight years when they've been really good defensively. But this team is in, into, a, in, into a change. And frankly, with the way the NFC West is going, the Seahawks are going to have some time near the bottom. The Rams went all in this offseason. They're making trades left and right. They they acquired both Akib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. They have two of the best slash most polarizing corners in the league now on defense. Um, and they were really stinking good last year under Sean McVay. The Niners found Jimmy Garoppolo in their lap. And by the way, just signed Richard Sherman. Uh, that's where he's going, by the way. That was the the tease of not really being a tease. He 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 said he's signing a three-year deal with the Niners, which is I almost I almost feel like he's doing that as a big F you to the Seahawks. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because he man. wants to beat them now. Man, forget you dudes, man. I'm going to play for our rival. Yep. The ones that I talk bad about and all that stuff, Crabtree, all that. Yeah, I remember it. And guess what? I'm going to play for them now. And now I'm going to talk bad about you. Watch. <laughs> well, and of all the the teams that he was interviewing with. Um, it, it seemed that this was one one of the best fits and one of the teams that had kind of an upward trajectory as far as where the franchise was heading. So uh, Niners, much better, or at least it appears that they are much better. The Rams are really good, and the Cardinals kind of suck, but they're about to get a quarterback, whichever one they choose, whether it's in the draft or in free agency, that could potentially make them good. You could see the Seahawks be the worst team in the NFC West this year. You could. I don't think it's going to happen because – as I said, it's going to be Russell Wilson's team, which to me means it'll be very good still, or good enough still to be in the middle of that division because Russell Wilson is good enough to do it by himself, I, as I just, we've seen multiple times. I just think that uh, losing a guy like Russell Wilson, or excuse me, like um, Richard Sherman, I think you lost one of your most iconic players that 
you ever had, like somebody that should have been in the Seahawks jersey for his entire career. All right, we got a break because we got a guest next. We got Grand Head Coach Robert Key, state champion Grand Head Coach Robert Key, here on Sports Sunday on the fan. Sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Robert Key's on the clock, trying to give him a call here. We'll uh, get him on if he does wind up answering his phone, but I'm I mean, assuming he, he was partying hard yesterday. Probably so. You know, your first state championship, you know. And remember, daylight savings. Yes. No so fun. <laughs> he's probably down a little bit, you know, a couple too it's many. It's only 9 a.m. in his brain. Exactly. You know, a couple too many uh, mocktails last Well, night. we'll get him on if, he, if he's available. If not, well, it's cool. Congrats to Grant, if not. Absolutely, man. <laughs> that was an awesome game last night, man. Shout out to Jason Swigart. Yeah, you were doing the game. I, honest, to be honest, I didn't even know we had that game on the fan yesterday. No, yeah, yeah. They, so I, I saw you tweet a picture of, of you with Swag, and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> No, it was it was an awesome game last night. You know, for me, uh, you didn't I went tweet to it, you Facebooked it. Uh, yeah, uh, social media it. You don't you know? tweet that much. So I'm, you know what? I I don't. I don't know why. It's just kind of one of those things. I just don't really pay attention to it a whole 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 lot. Well, you know, I just kind of important social media thing for any sports. Uh, Twitter is it? Yeah, still. Yeah, for sports. Yeah, for sports. Okay, yes, there you can still break a lot of news, you know, from from sports, and still get a lot of information, stuff like that. So, um, but no, it was it was a great experience. Got a chance to do the uh, the Special Olympics Oregon Unified State Championship, you know, so to where there's um, students, student athletes, and partners. Um, some some students have intellectual disabilities, others don't, and they play on the same team and really go out there and compete and for an opportunity to win state. You know, and so if you know anything about Special Olympics, you know, you, it's typically the games that they have, you know, once a year. Uh, this was different. And this was something students were able to do all year and being part of a team. And it was it was it was an awesome experience. man. So I'm grateful to have been a part of that. But the state championship game. So I went to Grant, graduated from Grant class 2001, go generals, but also went to Jefferson. And Jeff was my neighborhood school. And I love my time at Jeff. So I got love for both schools. I know both uh, fan bases and parents and the kids. Uh, actually, the PIL Player of the Year, um, his mom actually gave me the cell phone number that I have right now when I was a junior in high school. You know, and so it's 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 small things like that. Uh, the the most outstanding player of the tournament, his dad was my immediate supervisor and also my pop Warner coach. So there's a lot of history for me. So it was really uh, humbling for me to be able to do that last night. Uh, so while while we potentially wait. Um Let's talk some Browns, huh? Let's talk some Cleveland <laughs> stuff that Browns you never hear anyone say. Football. Um, Cleveland on Friday went absolutely bonkers. They traded for three players. They traded the smallest of which was they traded for Demarius Randall, the cornerback from uh, Green Bay for Deshaun Kaiser. So your boy is gone. <laughs> And he's never going to see the light of day again because again. he's now behind Aaron Rodgers and Brett Hundley. We talked about earlier. You go to the Browns, you're pretty much screwed. But They traded for Jarvis Landry of the Dolphins for two late-round draft picks, fourth and a sixth or seventh. Um, fourth this year, seventh next year. Okay. And the big one, oh, I, I still think Landry's the biggest one, but the big one in terms of name is they traded for Tyrod Taylor from the Bills for a third-round pick. Uh, so, oh, I got to find this tweet. This was a perfect tweet. 
uh, for the, for this argument. It shows um, it showed the who they had acquired and what their current offense looked like, as well as the amount of draft picks they still had, despite the fact that they uh, um, <laughs> traded like five of them this week. Everyone, well, they 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 got three back. Here we go. Browns offense: quarterback Tyrod Taylor, running back Duke Johnson. Wideouts, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, Corey Coleman, tight end David Njoku, who was really good last year. He was a rookie last year. And four picks in the top 35 this year still, including picks one and four. This 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 is, feels like it's time for the Browns to fix it. This feels like the movie draft day. And all of a sudden, they've got everything in place right now, man. I mean, you're still waiting to see if the other shoe is going to drop with Joe Thomas, you know, see what, what his future plans are. I'm sure at this point... He wants to be in a position to win and probably win now and compete now. You still have a bit of a project in Cleveland. You definitely still have a project in Cleveland because now you have to figure out a way to make all these new pieces gel the way they're supposed to. You've got Josh Gordon. I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully he's not somewhere on the weed. Shout out to Stephen A. Smith. Actually, <laughs> that's the most irritating thing that anybody does on TV. However. Is that however. You know, but yeah, Stephen A., Nah, I can't. I can't listen to him no more. But Joe Thomas probably can't play in Cleveland anymore. He's had a a long career there, and I'm pretty sure he's tired of winning or tired of losing, and wants to go somewhere to win. If you're Danny Shelton right now, how happy are you? Yes, I get to go where I'm going to New England, man. Absolutely, man. There are certain places to where if you get traded to, you're like, man, thank you. Get me out of here. Get me out of Cleveland. I didn't see they, out of they traded J Danny Shelton. Yeah, yeah. they did. That just for picks too. Huh. They traded uh, was what, he a doing, fifth round. He's a pick good player, and, right? Wasn't he playing well? I, I mean, I thought, yeah, he's playing right. I think with you know when people go to the to the <laughs> to the Patriots, they usually you know kind of straighten up and fly right. So I think Danny Shelton's been pretty good. That hasn't been the case recently as much as in the past, though. They have, you know. Everybody says their flyers haven't been quite as successful. Uh, I don't know. Nobody's in trouble. You keep winning. You keep going to the Super Bowl. You keep going to the AFC Championship. If you're if you're Joe Thomas, lose to the backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, hey, hey. I'm just saying. But if you're Danny Shelton right now, if you're anybody that was just traded to any team that's not the Cleveland Browns, man, you're loving life. It's just, it's kind of fun. This offseason has been fun already. We don't normally see teams go this crazy with making moves like this. Trades are always weird in the NFL, right? Yeah. Especially at this time of year where you're not trading players, you're trading for middle picks, middle round picks because other teams are trying to save salary. Like Jarvis Landry is better than a fourth and a seventh round pick. Blows my mind. I mean... It but they also, the Dolphins, Landry was frustrated with them and he didn't want to sign a deal with them or he did, but they wouldn't give him one. So I guess in their mind, they're like, we'll get something for him because he'll walk next year. But... He's so good. You he, can't get something better at the trade deadline. He led the NFL in receptions like, last year. Uh, it, the, nobody has caught more balls the the what the first four um, years of their career than Jarvis Landry. He, you said it at the break. He is a machine. All you have to do is throw the ball his way. He catches it. Granted, he's not Julio Jones. He doesn't make gigantic plays down the field. But with Josh Gordon on the other side now, like that's the perfect one-two punch. Underneath guy and over-the-top guy. Uh, Tyrod Taylor. But you know what he does more than Julio is he gets in the end zone. You know, yeah, that's the that, one thing that Jarvis Landry does, you know, a little bit better than Julio. 
Julio is an amazing player. He's an amazing possession receiver. Julio doesn't get in the end zone for as great as he is. And every year, his touchdown receptions have gone up. They haven't gone down. He he has, like, because that was my knock on him the first three seasons was, look at how many touchdowns you get. This last season was his best to date. And to see a fourth and a seventh, and they're not even in the same draft going for that guy, I'm like, how, how, how did that happen? Well, I... I, I view it like this. The the big play receivers get all the accolades, right? The Julio Jones and the Des Bryants and the AJ Greens and those kind of guys, right? But the most important receiver on an offense is the underneath guy who, when there is a crappy situation, is always open, right? We learned that from Wes Welker. We've learned that from Julian Edelman or Danny. I'm, I'm going to just name all the Patriots, but we've, we've learned that from Manuel Sanders <laughs> yep. on the Broncos. Um, and you can, we've learned it from Jarvis Landry. You can go all, all up and down the NFL and find the underneath receiver is super important. They have to be good. If they can't get open or they don't have the best hands, then you're not going to get a lot of first downs because guess what? When you're running crazy, just deep routes with your outside receivers, they're not going to be open half the time. Now, the Falcons are are a different story because they put Julio Jones literally everywhere. So he catches the ball all over the field because he's that good. But um, you need the Jarvis Landry to be successful. You need that quality receiver. And I, I said this in the break, but the Bills fans make fun of Tyrod Taylor. They call him Captain Checkdown. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're Captain Checkdown and you have Duke Johnson and Jarvis Landry as your checkdown options, you're pretty good. You're one of the best pass-catching running backs and the best pass-catching inside receiver, uh, I think you're okay. He wasn't captain checkdown when he had Sammy Watkins running deep routes either, by the way. Like, he he was able to throw deep. He's never Bills had... Bills fans would argue with you on that. Uh, I, yeah, Bills fans are idiots. I just, like... <laughs> they, they're going out there right now, and they're like, thanks, guys. Thanks for taking him away. We didn't make the, the playoffs last year because of Tyrod Taylor. Don't we made Bills it because of Andy angry. Dalton's. You know what my response is? Enjoy another 19 years of a playoff drought. Enjoy it. Stupid Buffalo fan. Don't make Bill's Mafia mad. They'll come after you. I mean, Bill's Mafia is bring angry. it. Oh, yeah. They're, bring they're, they're it. They're angry because they keep losing yeah. because they make terrible decisions. Bill's- All the. You see, you you see, Steeler fans aren't angry. <laughs> you see, Patriot fan, Bronco fan, you guys had a down year. Nobody's angry nope. about how that's going because you know you'll be back. I, I was actually Buffalo- kind of happy we had a down year because we needed to retool the team. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Buffalo is one of those franchises that just they continue to do it wrong. Whether it's hiring Rex Ryan, you know, and not hiring an offensive guy when you have all these, you know, well, uh, defense pieces. Bills like- fans on Twitter, there's a couple who listen to the station have said that. It feels different to them this year because they feel like they actually have a GM and a president who actually want to win. Yeah, that that Nathan Peterman start halfway through the season was a great, great move. Well, I, 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 you know what? Throw this is, one out there is, for Bills Mafia. True. How about this one? I'll just rub this in your face. Oh, God. You're this not, is I the thought fir- you were going to be nice. This is the first time since 1972 that the Denver Broncos have had back-to-back losing seasons. Eat it. Ugh, that sucks, though. <laughs> that feels bad to my soul. And, yeah, at the same time, eat it, Buffalo Bills fans. You guys, you're going back down. The so Denver Broncos feisty. will rise once again. Eat it. So feisty. So spicy. I love, by the way, I love that spicy's turned into the word that's, to use. That's Jesus and Miro. was the, the, the best evening show on television. If you watch it, Viceland. Jesus and Miro, they made the word spicy uh, a thing. I love it. And the word claro, for those who don't know what that means.
I love spicy. Let's go. I like the I like this. Got the spicy memes for you. No longer they're dank, they're not dank memes anymore. They're spicy memes. Mm -hmm. Things are spicy. Well, Jesse's feeling spicy and he's got his hated to love it coming up next. So let's do that. But first, here's a spicy sports spicy update. Oh, I like it. Spicy. were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1034, hate it or love it time. It's a competition. Points are awarded by Jesse. Questions are asked by Jesse. We answer them. And uh, at the end, the winner gets to host the last segment of the show. So, uh, Mario noises, by the way, for those confused as to why we're hearing coin dings. Um, and it's only temporary, guys. Don't worry. Won't be here the whole day. And don't believe that we stole it from the show before us. They stole it from us. We did it first. Yes, yeah, that's right. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. All I'll right. I'll give you that one. That's a that's that's a real thing. Okay, uh, Jesse. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, NFL. All the time. I love myself some some football. Oh, we know. Well, we're going to start in Cleveland, and we're going to actually probably the first two questions going to be Cleveland-related, um, and one of them specifically Tyrod Taylor. Now, I mentioned in our last segment, I believe, Tyrod Taylor had one of the poorest excuses of a supporting cast in the NFL basically his entire career so far, but he's been a starter, yet has been one of the most... Um, protective quarterbacks of the ball. He only threw four interceptions last year. Um, not prolific passing the ball, but has the ability to use his legs. So he is a um, interesting dual threat quarterback. We've, you and I, um, Mike, have stayed on this show before multiple times. We believe he's a starting quarterback in this league. So yep. Cleveland finally acquired themselves a starting quarterback for the first time, and I don't know how long. With that said, he has, and we've also brought this up in the, the last segment, he has um, Landry now. He has Josh Gordon. He's got Corey Coleman. He's got Ndoku. Um, he's got Duke Johnson and possibly Saquon Barkley uh, going number one overall. Love or hate, this is going to be Tyrod Taylor's best season to date. Mm. Whoa. Um. I'm looking up his stats real quick just to understand what best season for him means. Uh, I, I'll say off the top of my head, I'll say love because I kind of have this feeling that the Browns might be. And look, a good team is a reach considering they were 0-16 last year. But five, six win team, seven win team competitive in the AFC North. And if you can take the Browns to that level with these players, and they're good players, I think that means Tyrod Taylor is going to have the best season of his career. His best season to this point was his first season, actually, um, where he had 20 touchdowns and six picks on 63% completion, which isn't the best, but, you know, consistent enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's all the important stats. Really solid season for him, but he only had an eight-yard average for his passes. So, again, captain checkdown is the – is there, there's a reason why he's been nicknamed that, and that's dropped the last few years. Um, but I, here's the thing. I think Tyrod Taylor in a Hugh Jackson offense with a guy who I know has been ripped to shreds the last few years based on how poor the Browns have played under him, 
is actually going to have success. Don't forget that Hugh Jackson was a wizard offensively with the Bengals, making them a really explosive offensive team under Andy Dalton. Um, thank you. I was like, whoa, that's loud. Uh, I think he can make Tyrod Taylor a really good quarterback, or at least an above-average solid quarterback with the talent around him on this team. And I think he will have the best season of his career in Cleveland as Cleveland wins seven games this year. Uh, Is that scary I mean, to say? I, think I, 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 I love it. Like, I mean, it's and really for all the same reasons that Lynch just kind of said, um, there's really not much I can add there. He's getting talent, and that's the one thing that he hasn't really had. I mean, mind you. Shady McCoy, I, let me take that back. Shady McCoy is an incredibly talented running back. Uh, Sammy Watkins, when he was healthy, was incredibly talented. Then you got guys like Charles Clay in between there that you were able to kind of throw around him, but never the amount of talent that he has on this um, on this Browns roster. Whenever you have a guy like Josh Gordon, and we saw how good he was when he came back from suspension and came in immediately uh, catching touchdown passes and making you know changing the things for Cleveland Browns. Jarvis Landry, you mentioned, man, led the NFL in catches this past season, and that's with Jay Cutler as his quarterback. And mind you, I like Jay Cutler. Don't love him like most people do, but or like most people don't, you know what I'm saying? So it's just kind of one of those things. He... I think he's got a lot of things that you'll need in a in a quarter in a good quarterback. He's better than every Browns quarterback that they've had so far. We know that. He's been to a playoff game. He's won a playoff game. So that already puts you head and shoulders above anything that you had in there, including Deshaun Kaiser. This will be his best season to date. And really that's not gonna be hard because all he has to do is throw twenty one touchdowns and it's better than anything he's done. All right. Well, considering you said you didn't have much more to add, actually, you had uh, lots of different little lots nuggets. Lots of little, little ads in there. Yeah, well, I like you know, that. when I get rolling, man. It, it is. It's one of those things. He's like a snowball. Just that momentum. All right. Uh, we're going to, like I said, we had a couple things going on in, in Cleveland. And Hugh Jackson, in his first two seasons for the Browns, <laughs> has, is what, one in 30 one in 31? Yeah. Uh, yeah. One in 31 yeah. <laughs> as a head coach in his first two seasons. Um, love or hate with the additions that they've already made and the picks that they're going to have in the upcoming draft, Hugh Jackson is going to be on the hot seat and needs to win a minimum of, let's say, it's a long, it's a big jump, but you just added a lot of pieces. He needs to win eight games in order to save his job. Uh, hate. I hate that because any improvement for this Browns team, I think, is going to be good enough to save his job because Hugh Jack, look, maybe he's not cut out to be a head coach. Maybe we're all wrong in how good he is as, as a coach, but I remember how explosive, like I said in the last answer, how explosive those Bengals offenses were. He made it work with Andy Dalton who was mediocre at best, and he made him a really good quarterback for those couple of years at the end when he took over the offense. He, I don't want to say pioneered, but he was one of the best at using a running back by committee system with uh, the Gio Bernard and uh, Jeremy Hill combo. And he, he was really, really smart offensively. Now that he has talent, now that he's had a couple of years as a head coach under his belt, now that he has his guys, I think we're going to see Hugh Jackson actually live up to the potential that he has. But I'm going to say hate because I don't, I don't think we need eight wins for him. I think we need a four or five win season to show improvement because, look, anything's improvement for the Browns at this point, right? If they just win games and they look good a couple of times and they fight against the good teams in their division, I think that, that he'll be safe enough to at least get one more chance after that to, to prove, hey, maybe it's two years. Two years if he doesn't win eight games in a season, then he's out, right? 
But I think every head coach, and I know this doesn't always happen, I think every head coach deserves four years of a chance to fix it. And if after four years they don't get it done, then they can be gone. And that's that's what I'm giving Hugh Jackson. Um, Man, I uh, I guess I hate it. Um, You know the best thing about being on the bottom? There's nowhere to go but up. And when you have zero wins, anything is an upgrade. So if he comes out and wins three games – that's a huge improvement from what the Cleveland Browns did a year before. You're looking at a division in the AFC North that really, I don't know if any anybody so far has done anything to get better. The Cleveland Browns are the only team in that division so far that made a lot of moves that will put them in position to really compete for possibly the third, maybe even the first spot in that AFC North. Now, we know that's probably going to be occupied by Pittsburgh. You never really know what you're going to get from the Ravens or from the Bengals. The Browns are the only team that actually made a move, went out and got themselves another quarterback, went out and got themselves another impact player receiver, uh, or have multiple picks in the draft that they can package however they want to to get either better defensive person or new defensive personnel or a couple of other impact players on offense. I think at this point all he has to do is win about four games, like Lynch said, maybe five games to secure his, uh, his job next season, depending on how – how many other uh, roster moves they make if they get some more uh, picks in the draft or some really good picks in the draft man expect them to want at least seven wins but I think five or six is reasonable if you're talking improvement for the Browns all right yeah you guys were both on the same uh, wavelength there do you agree with us Justin I honestly you the question I, and you tend to think what I, you asked, I, so. I think I was trying to decide where I wanted to set the bar I, I think uh, honestly I think you should be striving for seven to eight wins with all the talent that you have. And you had a, com- a competent defense last year. Um, and the top end talent that you're supposed to be able to get out of this draft, considering what, four four picks in the top 35 or yep. whatever, 36. Um, so, I mean, you just are, you're going to be able to get a lot of talent out of this draft. Uh, you got a starting quarterback. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that bar should be at that seven, eight, eight game mark Hugh Jackson just saying basically all I need is a quarterback you got one I, I mean he's not the best but he's doable better than what you had indeed uh all right so we're gonna move on to uh the same division oh man I don't know okay oh I got a lot of things going on here um make a choice make a choice make a choice uh, all right I'm I'm gonna move on we're gonna go west coast okay all right uh the Rams were a surprise team last year with the um, gigantic leap and improvement they made under Sean McVay, um, where one of their weaknesses was their back-end talent of the secondary. And um, most recently, they have acquired Marcus Peters from Kansas City and now Aqib Talib from Denver. Love or hate, the Rams will have the best secondary in the NFL next year. Wait, that what now? They'll have the best secondary in the NFL? Mm-hmm. You got Marcus Peters on one side, Aqib Tlaib on the other side. Yeah, you're talking about basically, um, you know, you got A.J. Bouye and um, Jalen yeah. Ramsey and that, I'm gonna, you know, those. I'm going to say hate. Uh, thank you for giving me the job. I was quickly thinking, I was like, what are the other secondaries? Oh, my <laughs> I, I've, like, forgotten what happened in the offseason. Um, I'm going to say hate, and it's mostly – an indictment on Peters and Talib. Now, Talib is getting older. Talib is very good, but Talib's a little bit of a hothead. He is good, but slightly inconsistent. And 
if Denver's getting rid of him, partially it's a money-saving move, but I think it means that they think that his best years are behind him. Marcus Peters is probably the best cover corner in the NFL, but he also doesn't tackle. He's a potential locker room cancer, and he's inconsistent sometimes, too. We watched the, we watched him give up some uh, some pretty bad plays for the Chiefs last year. I think on paper, this looks really, really good. It looks tasty. It looks spicy. Mm. But I don't think it's going to be the best because the Jaguars' defense is elite, elite. A.J. Bouye, by the way, Richard Sherman went on that little, like, petty proof point thing on Twitter. A.J. Bouye, second-best corner behind him in the last, like, seven years. And Jalen Ramsey, young and good for the Jags. I think the Jags still have the best secondary. But the Rams uh, at least improved an area that was a big deficiency for them. So. Do the Rams have the best... Uh, secondary in the NFC? NFL. NFL. Yeah, I hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I, I, Marcus Peters is awesome. Um, he, he's been a model of consistency. Uh, apparently, he's a huge jerk. But other than that, he's been super consistent on the field. Man, I don't know if we saw if we've been seeing what's happening in Jacksonville for the past couple of years. This year, the rest of the team kind of fought, kind of caught up to the defense. But man, that Jacksonville defense is scary, and they're everywhere, and they're fast, and they're big, um, and and they can catch. Like most most corners or most DBs play uh, DB because they're not great. They don't have great hands. That's not the case with the Jaguars. If it's in their vicinity, it is taken out of the air and possibly even taken back for six points. So uh, the Rams, while they have improved, and the Rams have had a great defense all, all season, I think Wade Phillips has been playing some really, really good uh, football on the defensive end. Um, I'm just still loving what I see over in Jacksonville, especially considering the fact that they play in that warm weather all, all year. Um, I just like what their defense is able to do. Like, we, we talked about this year about them having an all-time great defense. You know, like something about the the, the the classic Bears team and that great Denver team. I forget all the stats, but they were all those teams rolling to one. They had better stats than each of those. So, if they stay together, that's still the best uh, defensive back unit in the NFL. I feel like it was pretty close today. It was pretty close. I think... I think Michael Lynch got no, it. No, I think Rashad got it because my first answer only got a couple of points, and you got a bunch in the first answer. All right, let me tally it up real quick. Uh, and I was feeling confident about the last two, but I don't know. Jesse didn't like my first answer that much. It's okay. I don't uh-huh, remember the question. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It was about Tyrod Taylor being having his best season. Oh, that's right. And I think he was upset that I started talking about Hugh Jackson when that was going to be his next question. <laughs> well, you know. But you we, got that point to start about um, – I don't know. There was something again. I can't remember. But you got one point to start before we go. All right. Well, the winner by one point, Mike Lynch. Hey. I haven't won in weeks, man. That feels good. That's a feels glad, man. If any of you guys watch Twitch out there. (laughs) If not, then I just sound like a giant idiot. Uh, Coming up next, uh, sports. We'll figure it out. This is the fan. with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I think this may be the shortest segment we'll ever do because we actually have a full-length break at the end of the show. All right. So we're just going to go in and out real quick. I just have this question for you. Oh, hey, Allie LaForce. She's cute. Um, 
college basketball this year has been really weird. There's not a lot of great teams. And uh, Selection Sunday show is today. My question is, do you think that it's going to be a more fun tournament because it's going to be insane? Or do you think because the quality of basketball this year has been pretty mediocre, it's going to be a pretty bad tournament? Because uh, to me, the tournament's always good, right? Because the, the format is a good format. But, man, we've seen some bad college basketball this year. So it's a tough question for me. I love college basketball, and I'm even like, oh, my God, we might see some bad games. I'm just kind of like, uh, I'm, I mean, I don't really, I don't, haven't really followed college at all. I've been following the good players. I know Michael Porter Jr. came back. I'm not sure if Missouri is going to make They're in the, the tournament. tournament picture, but. Uh, I know, but the selection, uh, uh, selection Sunday is today. So yep. you can watch that, I believe, at ooh, 12. No, I think it's at, I'll double check. I think it's at like 2 o'clock because there's a couple of uh, conference final games today. What channel is it on? Uh, TBS. It is at 3 o'clock. Okay. And they're doing it weird this year where they're going to announce all the teams within the first 10 minutes and then put the bracket out, which I kind of hate. Like, there's no intrigue there then. You're like, oh, well, we know who's in the tournament. It doesn't really matter then. I, I kind of, I mean, as a Syracuse fan, the last three years have been brutal, and I guarantee it's going to be brutal again today. But um, I kind of like the intrigue of, oh, who's going to miss it? But let's let's see the last bracket fill up. But who's gonna miss the tournament? Now they're just gonna tell us immediately, and then fill out the bracket. That's kind of lame. Yeah, that's a that's a little a little weird. So I don't like it. I don't know. But I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the good teams play. I'm looking forward to see uh, some guys' draft stock rise. You know, the tournament is typically where it happens because if people don't know who you are, this is a great way to make a name for yourself. I'm curious to see about certain teams. I know, like Arizona State in the Pac-12, they started off really hot. They fizzled out really bad. They're kind of on the border. They are on the bubble. on the border. Yeah, and then there's another one just like them in Oklahoma, where they are on. They were very, very good out out the gate. They were an obvious tournament team, and then they did a major slide to where they actually make it. They're going to be kind of like historically, like one of those teams where they were on a historically bad slide going into the tournament. But they still have Trey Young, even though he hasn't yep. played well lately. Uh, he was. Really, really, really impressive in the beginning of the season. All right, so that's at 3 o'clock today. TBS is where you can find it. If you are a Ducks fan, you're not going to see the Ducks make the tournament. Just uh, be ready for that. They needed to beat USC and potentially win the Pac-12 championship as well to get back in the tournament picture, and they got housed, housed by USC in the Pac-12 semifinals. How many Pac-12 teams make it? Two. No, it's going to be like three or four probably. I think, I think so a couple too. are going to sneak into the play-in games, the first four, but I think that's going to be it. All right, we got to go. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week, 9 to 11 a.m., and uh, have a very good Sunday. Enjoy the good weather, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 